whole time, the whole thing was shadowing us, right behind us, right on the side of us. You could, you could kind of see the thing moving through the woods. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, this isn't a man. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Went to look forward, and there was a big black thing, is all I can Welcome to Squatch DTV. Exploring the Bigfoot mystery each week with your hosts, veteran researcher, author, and TV personality, the Squatch Detective, Steve Culls. And from the Bigfoot Research Project of Kentucky, Chris Bennett. Sit back and buckle up as we bring you guests from around North America discussing the Bigfoot phenomena, but not without a few laughs, too. Here are your hosts, Steve and Chris. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch D TV for today's date, May 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, your guide, the Squatch Detective Steve Calls, along with the guy downstairs there, the bald guy, Mr. Chris Bennett. <laughs> hey, Steve, how you doing, man? Hope everything's going for you. Well, uh, safe for you in New York, anyway. Uh, look like the numbers well. look like the numbers are going down, but that, that, that's good. Yeah, uh, yeah, as far as the COVID numbers are, yeah. Mm. So, uh, okay, so let me just uh, make a quick announcement to everybody that's over on Facebook. The Facebook comments, I'm actually monitoring over here, so I apologize if they do not get responded to right away because they're not coming across the board. There is an issue. StreamYard has reached out to Facebook, and they're trying to make a resolution yeah. to that. So, But the YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, uh, they're all coming through, and, and uh, so... Uh, 
You know, I see we have the tricks in. We have Dave Dragerson in over at Facebook. Sherry from Facebook. And, of course, we want to say hi to, to uh, Frank. Hello, Frank. Frank. Tom. Hello, Tom. Tom. Mark over on Twitter. Hello, Mark. Big Mark. Yeah, Frank. Good. We already got you. <laughs> <laughs> we got a double dose of Frank there. But that's Jerry. Fine. Hello, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. And something to Sasquatch about. Good evening, sir. Or madame. Hey. All right. Patrick, hello. Pat. So, um, and Frank says he's enjoying, looking forward to the show with a nice coffee. Good That's deal. Right. That's right. That was my grandfather's energy drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm drinking energy drink tonight. Coffee. Sugar and uh, But but we have a, a a guy that you know he is awesome. I mean, we we had a little pre uh, pre talk coming into the show tonight. And of course, it's Carl Crew. And um, let me get the graphic up there. Yeah, we have Carl Crew tonight, who is the great nephew of Jerry Crew, and he has kind of been a historian about that whole affair in his family. And we're gonna get to it. And looks like Charlie Wonton has signed into YouTube. That is Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. <laughs> and uh, Ricky uh, Cherby is out there on Facebook. I uh, just want to make sure we're, we're getting all our props to our regulars. Yeah, the the bar fills up. So, uh, but yeah, it was uh, been an interesting week. Uh, interesting week. If folks haven't checked out the YouTube channel, um, we have. Uh, well, I have started putting a lot of uh, moving over. Very confusing. I had two YouTube pages for years, and I'm moving everything over from the old YouTube page to this one. And uh, reworking some videos, which is, you know, making it really kind of cool. Um, and doing some new new evaluations. So, you know, while I'm on furlough, uh, I will continue to be cranking out these videos. And, uh, again, I hope everybody out there is being healthy and safe and not having the plague. Um, yeah. And I'm glad to see the numbers are going down considerably. So, hopefully... Uh, you know, most of us will get back to work in, a, in, in, you know, short order and, um, you know, hopefully I'll be back to work to, in short order because, you know, my, I've, I've said this before, my company's getting a little bit rocked, so I don't know if they're going to yeah. be back right away, but tis what it is. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll come back eventually, you know, we may not snap back next week, but Hey, we'll be back. So, uh, for for the, uh, for the sake of things, uh, we're going to forego any, any stuff about any type of massacre or anything like that tonight? We're going to jump right into the topic with our guest tonight, Mr. Carl Crew. How are you, Carl? Hey, how you doing? I, 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 I'm awesome. And Carl, you're, you're coming up from uh, North Hollywood, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. yep. And if, if people notice in the background, there's Jerry with the print. Oh, yeah. Um, there we go. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and uh, so... I, I don't know where you want to start with this, but I'll give you the floor <laughs> because, and then I'll, I'll, the I'll beginning is usually good. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for this guy. This is Dr. John crew. It's my dad. And he logged his way through college at, with Jerry. You know, that's how he worked his way through medical college. And he would go up to Shasta and water down the roads in the big trucks. And my other uncle, Jer uh, Jim Crew, coolest uncle in the world, Harley riding crazy. He, went, he worked for uh, 
Steinhardt Aquarium and showed me the, the needle-nosed gar and used to swim with the dolphins. This guy was super cool. Anyway, um, he showed my Uncle Jim how to do that. And they both worked with Jerry. So so I've been hearing Bigfoot all my life. All of the stories coming from different parts of the family members. And uh, I finally realized, oh, I need to put it all together. And um, I spoke to my Uncle Jim. And he gave me like 50 years of yellowed newspaper articles, everything he had collected for all these years. And I had to pour through all those. And that's how I started it. And uh, I, uh, I, I just, I needed to write a screenplay. I've been making movies for like 30 years, but I need, this is just part of family history. So I had to do it. So uh, yeah, it's been amazing. I, I got to interview Peter Burns. Like what an honor. It's yeah. an honor, dude. I mean, unbelievable. It was, they call him the Indiana Jones uh, mixed with the uh, Don Quixote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool, man. This guy, he used to like uh, tend the, uh, the tea fields in Ceylon, you know, he hunted uh, Yeti in South in the, in the Himalayas. And he was the one that um, Tom Slick, that really cool, bizarre millionaire from Texas hired to uh, get all his Bigfoot people in line. He had gone into uh, Willow Creek and hired a bunch of people, Tom Slick. And he just kind of put Peter in charge of it. And I mean, I, I got tons of great stories uh, online that Peter had written about everything. It was a lot of uh, great stuff. But actually, when Peter went up to Willow Creek, there was a bunch of people that were on payroll from Tom. And one of them was, was named Renee. And Renee was so pissed off, he wouldn't even talk to Peter at all. He wouldn't answer the phone, nothing. And then he went over to, uh, to Green, Mr. John Green. And the guy would only make his wife talk to him on the phone. He didn't want to talk to him at all. So he let him go. And uh, there was another guy named Ed, and he had moved to San Francisco. So that's kind of hard to hunt Bigfoot in San Francisco. So yeah. he off the payroll. And then there was other couple guys. Uh, what were their names? Their names were uh, 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 LePay and Gatto. And they were in prison for fraud. <laughs> oh, geez. So, you know, we get a bunch of... Bunch of well, I won't even say what they are, but, but then, of course, Bob Titmus. Yep. I love saying that name. And uh, Bob Titmus, <laughs> who is the original one who showed Jerry, my great uncle, how to make a plaster cast. And um, I got some great, a great story about him a little later, but uh, um, he was friends with Al Hodgins. Hodgins, yep. Yeah, and Al came down uh, uh, to, to, Aries, to Jerry's house because he wanted to show him this cast. And he came in and he looked at it. He goes, ah, someone's faking you out, you know. And so Jerry said, no, this is the real deal. And here, here's this map that he drew a map. And uh, he gave it to Al. And Al gave it to, to Titmus. And I, apparently it ended up in Gimlin for, with Bob Gimlin. And that's where they went, followed Jerry's map to the place where they shot that film in 67. This is called 1958 when it happened. So I'm um, wow. not, just nonstop finding all these gems, you know. It's been really a trip. Wow. So it, uh, just out of curiosity, is your screenplay going to incorporate all that as well? Absolutely. Oh, oh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I got, like, I go into great deal about good old Ray Wallace, too. Well, good yeah, well, let's, 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 let's hold Ray for a minute. Oh, let's no, hold, I agree. Let's hold Ray for, for a New York minute. Uh, <laughs> something the Sasquatch uh, wrote, damn, I need to make a shirt. I came for a Sasquatch massacre, and all I got is hoaxed. <laughs> 
<laughs> Gotta love our audience. Yeah. And uh, Ty Thorpe. Ty Thorpe says he's watching for the first time. Welcome, Ty. And I also want to say hello to George uh, over on Facebook and Edward. Uh, again, uh, for those joining us a little bit late, Facebook comments are not coming ah. across. So, so Mr. Jerry Crew named Bigfoot. Yeah, baby. Did did he name Bigfoot or was it the reporter? It was the reporter that interviewed him, so it came out of him. Right. He's the one that wrote the thing. So yeah, he used to call him Bigfoot, and he'd make everyone laugh. And oh, really? <laughs> he was never uh, joking about it. He never joked about it. Yeah. He was very serious. He does. He in every picture he takes, he's got that. Well, yeah, I'll tell you right. what, the guy uh, at the uh, Humble Times, he said, yeah, he got a smile when he was going to take the picture. I have the whole account of when he went into town with this woman he knew and her son, and they gave and he gave them a ride into town going to see the guy at the Humble Times. And the, the son uh, tells it in a story. He said he was in the backseat, and Jerry turned around and goes, hey, uh, flip over that uh, that thing right there. Just take the towel off that. He did it. And Wow, what's this two Bigfoot prints? And he goes, what are these? I'm going into, you know, Humboldt. When he got there, the guy from the Humboldt uh, Times, he said, well, listen, you got to hold it up and crack a big smile. And Jerry said, nope. <laughs> Good for him. Nope, not doing it. It's too serious. I'm not going to think of being, I'm not going to be like yeah. Mr. Huckster, you know. Very so that's, he was a very serious guy, but he was pretty funny too. But uh, So he can he was like he didn't drink. He taught Sunday school to the Hopi Indians. He he would stay of like outside of the the camp era and we'd drive there every week. But on weekends he always went to church and he picked up the Hopi Indian kids and taught them Sunday school. I mean this is like a you know uh, pretty everyone I've talked to they just say nothing but good things about him. You know how how uh, uh, right on he was. How it's you, you always trusted him totally. So. Yeah. Fascinating stuff, though, I just stumbled across. So. And uh, another comment, Mr. Carl, uh, Mr. Carl Cruz, books sound like they will be good already. Well, let me tell you something. It's going to be a feature film first. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to adapt the script to a book form. Yeah, I put it out. But it's good. There's never been a giant, giant film made about Bigfoot. And mm -hmm. and really the whole thing for me was about taking down the giant uh, uh, legend that it's become Pairing that down to what really happened, you know, getting back to like the, the nitty gritty, so to speak, like the re the real stuff, you know. Um, a lot of people have a lot of different, you know, things about people. Oh, well, it's yeah. so Bigfoot and UFOs, you know. I mean, even Ray Wallace is always talking about UFOs. But there's even a Facebook page, Bigfoot and UFOs. Yeah, I don't believe they're supernatural, and no. neither did Jerry, because you know Jerry said, you know, supernatural don't live big old piles of poop. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, but, right. but the deal is people say, well, you know, I would see one and then it would be down there all of a sudden, way down there and appear. Well, they travel in packs. So if one pops their head out and then they disappear and then another one pops out, you're going to see, see it's going to be like, look like it's the same one. It's not, you know, they travel in packs as far as we know. So yes. there's a lot of different things that can, that can be explained. But yeah. it, the irony is that no one's, Jerry Crew never saw one. That's the best part. Yeah. Yeah. He never saw one, but he heard him. He smelled him. Every yeah, time yeah. He scared to death. Uh, on one time, he went out with Peter Burns, and they found uh, the nesting place 
of a Bigfoot, and it was a, 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 a with a, tr- a giant tree, and they pulled down these giant things of moss, and they laid them out like beds, and they actually found some animal bones around it, and uh, um, they actually found some fecal matter, and they sent it to Berkeley, and it was later uh, came back that it was fr- it was I couldn't identify exactly what animal, but it was definitely carnivorous. And there were parasites in it from human and ape species that are only found in humans and apes. See, and I, I don't believe that they're you know missing link or anything like that. I don't believe that at all. And I yeah. do not believe it's supernatural, but I guess yeah. Well, we we talk about that a lot on, on right. the show about you know it may appear supernatural, but a deer runs across the road. You take a look as you're driving by it; it's gone. You don't know where right. it is. They're quick. Yeah, I mean, they can scale though. You know what the, the terrain is like in Mount Shasta? You know, the terrain is like straight up and down. Yep. Like there's ravines, you know, uh, uh, that go way down and, and like they just go all over the place. Uh, so, uh, and there's a lot of stuff in the, the Hopi Indians, you know, they're they're all kind of like spiritual anyway. So they're going to, you know, come up with a big like the Wendigo and all the different names they had for it. And, uh, um, but there was other people that were Hopis that talked to him that, kind of pared it all down uh uh just the natural ability to, to give it supernatural they, that's part of their culture you know gotcha yeah yeah and uh, we do have a, a few questions and comments in the in the uh as youtube is popping tonight mm-hmm. um uh <laughs> i i think when, he, when Nick Man is, you look like your uncle like my dad i just have the same glasses yeah my hair is all <laughs> um, my hair, so yeah. Frank asked, "Would it be a documentary style movie?" I think I think you're thinking more of an action type. Of... It's going to be a feature film, but it's going to be based on. I did a I did Jeffrey Dahmer's The Secret Life, and that was a feature film based on real life, you know, stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, and I, it's not going to be a documentary, but it's going to have so much information in it. It took a year to write it. And if you need somebody to play Bob Hieronymus. Chris Bennett volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 no. <laughs> um, the uh, next question is from Ammon Chris. Hello, welcome Ammon. We we have an, uh, another one of our regular hooligans yeah. at the bar. Uh, didn't they throw a huge tire at the one job site? I believe yeah. it was like a fifty. Was it a fifty gallon drum or was it a tire? I don't know. There was a big giant tire from okay. one of the tractors worth seven hundred pounds, and it was it was rolled down the thing to the ravine and there was a, and it was thrown off the side. There was also a 500 pound oil drum that was picked up and thrown and there was not dragged. The tire was rolled, but the drum was picked up and walked over to a ravine and there was no drag marks. Wow. So incredible. I mean, the strength, you know, absolutely. Now this was, was this, this was during or before the tracks or during. Uh, that was during the same era. During. And, um, uh, I mean, Ray Wallace was getting pissed because he thought someone was joking or pranking him. And he thought, because people were quitting left and right. As soon as Jerry uh, made the print and all this, I mean, that just exploded a bunch of stuff. That went worldwide. The, the articles went worldwide and they were getting hundreds of uh, people inquiring about it. And like Jerry was not like, he didn't like the, the limelight, you know. Right. He was like, oh my goodness, you know, what, did I, what, what happened? And they would constantly try to interview him and stuff. And uh um, he did a few interviews, but uh, uh, yeah, so that was it was huge. And so, but a lot of people started quitting because they were so scared. Wow. They were so scared. 
you know, I would love to, uh, you know, as a kid, um, I was in like fifth grade and I was like, I'm going to do my book report on Bigfoot, you know, and like I went in and did it, you know, and they were like, my teacher was like, well, you know, that's a campfire story and, you know, well, that's not true. And all the kids were like, uh, and I was, I practically cried because I, 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 you know, I, I went home and talked to my dad. I go, dad, oh, you know, what happened? He goes, well, you know what? When you know something to be true, you don't worry about whatever, well, what everyone else says. Right. And that was really funny, man. He was so cool. What a brilliant guy. And he, uh, what he did was he was a, he was a cardiovascular surgeon. And I was on the third floor of the house. And then he would come in and park in the basement and then come up, you know, and I was like, I want to talk to you, you know. So what he did was he hooked up an intercom from my bed on the third floor down to the basement so he could say hi when he gets home. And, he, you know, when I got home that night, he came in and he said, you know, he talked to me and he settled me down. He goes, listen, I'll be right back. And he went out and he got the print. And he came and he showed me the print that night. And I was like, Wow. And he put it on my, uh, he put it on my dresser and I was like, okay, okay. And, but meanwhile, he flipped the intercom on as he walked out. <laughs> okay. So oh. I'm, I couldn't, I couldn't, I got my little flashlight. I got out of bed. I went over, I looked at the print. I'm like, wow, look at this. I couldn't even believe it. And all of a sudden from my intercom, I was like, Woo! <laughs> 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 so Film, yeah, just in the beginning, yeah, he's so cool, yeah. Yeah, that could have tragically went bad because you could have dropped that cast. Oh, no, no, no. The funny thing is, is the actual. This is not the cast I have. The cast that he had, my mom accidentally broke it. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> put it in the script, but I didn't want it. That, oh, you should. That would have been a dark day at the crew residence. Yeah, just sitting around the basement. She. And she flipped and broke into pieces, you know. I'm like, ass, and I'm like, yeah, it was so funny. She's a concert pianist. I mean, she was brilliant musician. My parents were brilliant. They had a gospel quartet for 50 years. They toured. I felt like I was in the Christian Partridge family, you know. Wow. <laughs> it was a hyper musical family, man. It was just all my brother, my father. He played uh, the trumpet and the bass, and he, he was a the bass in the uh, in the quartet, but. Uh, it was a very interesting family to come from, but yeah, he, he was so cool like that, but he scared the crap out of me, but that was it for me, you know, like Bigfoot as much as possible. So yeah. <laughs> Your mom, nim nimble fingers as a penis, just don't hand her a cast. <laughs> yeah, no, she did. <laughs> I think she just passed away last year. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. 2017 and she passed away last year. So. You know, it, 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 yeah. It's tough losing your parents, uh, but yeah, I, know, it's, it's, I do know where they are, so it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, uh, another questions. Here we go. Uh, something is asking. Do you re remember how big the print was? It was seventeen and a half inches. There you go. Yeah, that's a pretty. Big... And you know, well, I, okay, I have stories to tell. Uh, but wait, yeah, like about hello, hello brave bird. So a lot of new folks in here. So we want to acknowledge them for coming on. And for all our, our YouTubers, you know, if you're new to the channel, you know, please hit your click and subscribe. So, Yeah, I'm, please, folks, if, if, if you like what you're watching, you know, you know, uh, subscribe, uh, hit the notification bell and leave a comment. It helps us out because, you know, this is not monetized or anything, but 
The only way we can get more ratings or, or better search engine hits is if, if people do that. So we yep. appreciate it. And, and Carl, I had a question for you, bud. Is now I had I had read an interview. Uh, well, it wasn't much of an interview because uh, Jerry uh, never did very many interviews at all. Uh, he kind of struck me. He must have been like a quiet type guy that kept to himself, you know, uh, uh, didn't like a lot of attention. Right. And um, but they had asked him uh, and I, I can't remember the name of the interview. But anyway, they had asked him what he thought, because at that time, you know, there was no such thing. Nobody knew there was a big hairy man walking around. And I think he replied something. They asked him what he thought the tracks were, and he thought, well, he didn't know, but he thought maybe it could be an extremely large Native American, maybe, still living out in the woods. Did did you have any, were there any comments like that or anything in your family? We did a lot of research on that, and that, that's exactly the the theory we're going to be putting out with our with our, with our our feature film. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't believe that it's... Uh, uh, I don't believe that it's a missing link. I don't believe that it's uh, some, you know, humanoid or whatever. Um, if you know anything about evolution, there's two types. There's a macro evolution and micro evolution. Right. Macro evolution has like six examples that are all pr proved to be fake. Like the, you know, Nebraska man was made from a pig tooth and, a, and it's just, it's all absurd. There's no fossil evidence, zero fossil evidence that can be proved zero. And there would be billions of them. But microevolution is the adaptation of species. You know, like the dogs over here are adapted to that because of the weather. And over here, they're different because they're adapted to something else. Well, my theory uh, uh, is based on, I mean, in like the 1700s, there was an earthquake so big that the Mississippi flowed backwards. Right. Okay. There was no internet back then. There was no radio. There was no TV. There was nothing. And people went mad. And the Indians, some of them went mad and just ran into the woods, like away from where they're, they're, they were. And also it happened in Oregon too, where literally the, there was a whole thing that was raised up. It was insane. It was, it was so intense around the exact same time. So, the theory is that these people, these these Indians who are already living out there like that, they went mad and they went in to the woods and they lived in the woods and through interbreeding and adaptation and microevolution, they grew strong and bigger and uh, became what we know as Bigfoot, but they're ex incredibly smart. Um, just because they're, let's say they're woodsy smart, man, they're just way, you know, it's like to the point where it, it looks alien to us in the sense that we right. used to something that is so intricately uh, sensitive to their environment. You know, we're just right. like, oh, okay. Now, there's like, you know, every breath and every smell. Anyway, so that's basically the story. But we found a lot of the, I mean, there's articles that go back to the 1700s about wild men in the woods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all over the place and it's worldwide. I mean, but uh, uh, yeah, the wild man. I mean, I have many uh, different examples in the film. Um, there's also somebody who caught one, a baby one, for a while, and uh, uh, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of history, and I include all that because it, it's it's I think it's very relevant. Um, so yeah, it's kind of uh, trying to dis dispel the supernatural nonsense about it, and. Right, right. and 
show it what what it really is. Yeah. So um, I'd love to talk about Bob Titmus though. Yeah. Yeah, go right ahead. I I, I had, to up, I had yeah. to up my mic a bit because I just love Bob. I love the name. I'm sorry. Oh, Bob Titmus. Well, he was uh, one of the ones that was hired by Tom Slick. You know, of all the people that would end up in jail and moving around for fired and everything, he was one of the ones that said, "No, I won't talk to you, uh, Peter. Uh, I only answered directly to Tom Slick, and because yeah, I'm doing some secret work." And there was one time where he came down to where Jerry was in the field with Peter and they were saying, uh, you know, they're trying to, you know, talk to him and see what, what his deal is. You know, well, I'm doing I'm something. I'm way beyond you guys. I'm way beyond you guys. I have information and stuff, but I can't tell you. And so it was kind of this big mystery. And eventually what happened was um, Tom Slick was coming to town. And when Tom Slick came to town, people, you know, they like, I'll tell you a story about Ray Wallace and Tom Slick pretty soon. But anyway, so Peter Burns, he got this campsite. He had his cook to go down and make breakfast. Jerry was there. Some other people were there. And they were waiting for Tom and Peter to come into town. And a car pulls up and Peter gets out. And Tom, there he is. And they come out and they say hi. And they were waiting for Bob Tidmus to come by. And, you know, Jerry's like, good, I want to talk to this guy. I want to talk to, you know. And so all of a sudden this old Dodge pulls up, smoking. And it's Bob Tidmus. And he gets out. And he walks right up, doesn't look at anybody but Tom Slick, walks right up and goes, come here, let's go. And so he takes Bob and they go back in this car and they go off. You know? So for two hours they waited. And he wouldn't, eat. I mean, they were like shocked. You know, like I came to look at us. What's going on? And, you know. yeah. So two hours later, this car pulls back up. Tom gets out. And then it just, man. Yeah! Beads off with a with a smoke of dust, you know, just and it disappears. So Jerry was like, well, "What what happened?" He goes, "Well, we found out what his secret research is." And he goes, "What was it?" Well, he said he found Bigfoot's toilet, <laughs> where Bigfoot defecates, wow. and he took him up there, and he they had to crawl through. 200 yards of bushes on their knees and they had thorns it was crazy and in the night you know like and they were it was not really night but it was getting dark and their deep cover of bushes and stuff yeah and they come into this clearing and they look over and they see this big old pile of poo right by this tree in the middle of the clearing and he goes see and he goes did you bring a camera let's start taking pictures let's start taking pictures tom said and then all of a sudden they heard something Something was coming through the bushes. And Bob Timmons just went white face. He was horrified. And Tom was like, come on, let's go, you know, and Bob, you know, and like, and then look out, and something came out of the bushes. And it was an Indian on a horse. Mm. And they came up and they went up to the tree, got off the horse and tied his horse to the tree. And then they looked and it took a big crap right on top of me. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of blew that whole mess. And like, but Tom got out of the bushes, came and said, hey, man, um, I'm, I'm Tom. You know, can I talk to you? He goes, yeah. He goes, what are you doing up here? He goes, I come here to hunt my herbs. I've been coming here for 20 years. And he goes, oh, oh, okay. And uh, So anyway, you know, Bob was just totally embarrassed. And uh, they just they, they went back and 
and uh, they, you know, they didn't say a word going back. And he just dropped him off at the campsite and, he went, and took off. And no one ever saw him again. He moved up to Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> his area was. But there was one other yeah. time that he was down there. Remember when I was talking about? He came down and, and saw Jerry, and he was all uppity and stuff. But he saw these bear prints, these little bear prints. And, you're, <gasps> and Jerry and Peter going, "It's bear prints. What are you doing?" And he goes, "No." And he pulls out a camera and he took pictures of it. These are baby Bigfoot prints, and he sent them to Tom Slick in, uh, in, uh, in mm. you know. Anyway, yeah. so fascinating story. Yeah, I, I uncovered that whole story on the internet. Now with the Peter Burns, very cool, very cool. So, so you know the the madness we see now existed even back then. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, well, you know, there's a lot of people that it's like a paranormal show. It's like, oh, do you see that? Oh, do you see that? <laughs> There is. Oh, oh no! Oh no! Oh, we missed it. Oh, like it's never quite there, you know. Um, yep. I, mean, I believe in the paranormal. Don't get me wrong, but you know, and the Bigfoot's the same way, you know. Like, I mean, I, I'm 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 out of the loop because I'm hearing about Bigfoot massacre and all this crazy stuff, and it's like, you know, it's like uh, anything for a rating, you know, anything for a click, you know. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, but um, you know, I don't claim to be an expert on anything, but I just I've been I've, I've gone over a lot of information, so. Well, you have a you have a lot of the stories that are very important for us to know. They're all wound in the, in the script. You know, I try to tell as much as I possibly can the whole thing. Now, now Jerry had three accidents, and actually Jim Crew had a really bad accident. He broke. Uh, he uh, uh, he got there was a, a tong they used to get a, a a tree out of the way after it had been cut, and at one point the tong that the thing that hold the that held the tree snapped and flew back and hit Jim and, oh. and cut him really bad. And he was, went to the hospital and Jerry was mortified and he followed after us. He's like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? And, and Jim was all, you know, he's cool, man. He's like, he's like, okay. And so they got there and they, they, they fixed him up, patched him up. And they said they put a stint on it. So, uh, but they put a thing for any pus to come out and, you know, he, he got better, but Jerry had three accidents. He had one accident, we got all the teeth knocked out of his face because from that palm. All oh. yeah. And then and his wife was, you know, pretty concerned. You know, I mean everyone was concerned because it's so dangerous, man. What they're doing is so, so dangerous. And um, at one point, uh, halfway through it, he broke his back. Oh. He, he broke his back. And it was bad. And he was down for like six months. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jim was working at that point and the, him and Peter were going out and, uh, and they had, uh, he, Peter had access to uh, like some night cameras and some helicopters and stuff. And, uh, and, um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, they kept looking, you know, for like two years, you know, but, uh, but he finally got better. Jerry did. And he started working again. And, um, the thing that hit, that broke the camel's back, that broke the camel's back, that broke the Jerry's back. Yeah. That's terrible. I should say. Uh. Yeah. 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 The last straw, let's say the last straw, um, yeah. was he was on a site and he was working again. Everything was going great. And he, they just finished. He was heading back and he stepped on a giant rusty nail. Hmm. And he had to go to the hospital. And then that was it. And he said, that's it. And he, he started getting booked and learning how to be an engineer. He became an engineer and was hired by Boeing. Or United Airlines, yeah. And that's when he got out of there and he moved to San Francisco. 
And I saw him as a kid, man. I mean, he used to come by and do all these crazy uh, magic tricks for me. It was so cool. I've been a magician since I was like nine years old. And it was because of him and my father. My father taught me the French drop, the first, you know, the first trick I ever learned. But Jerry would come by with all these like oil balls and all this crazy stuff. So cool, man. He knew how to deal with kids because he was so used to teaching Sunday school. Right. So, and he wasn't like really shy or anything, man. Like there's a great story I got from his son, Wayne, um, or Wade, Wade. So cool, man. I love Wade. He told me a story about uh, they used to fire guns in their backyard and they put these little things from a cow, these little metal things from a cow. They put them on the edge of the, of the fence and they would fire their guns at it, you know, for target practice. And they were out there and they couldn't seem to hit one, you know, like his two kids and Jerry come out and he goes, what are you doing? He goes, practice, you know. Oh, I can hit them all at once. And they go, oh, oh yeah, right. Pulled out a 45, but blam, he got them all at once. Yeah, <laughs> he was like his buckshot, you know. Like, <laughs> the other thing about Jerry was he could he could fix anything. And I see it in my father. My father was an inventor. My father invented the camera that goes in your body to do surgery. And uh, Sony, or no, Fuji stole it from him. And he sued them for $250 million and won and never saw a dime. But mm-hmm. that inventor thing is in the cruise, and uh, he would anything he could fix anything, you know. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, this crazy, crazy stuff, man. I'm just uh... <laughs> question in the uh, from uh, a YouTuber, uh, something to Sasquatch about. Just wondering, did Jerry Crew ever meet Roger Patterson? He he very well could have, um, and I'm not sure, but I, I I'm sure uh, uh, there was some interaction. I'm not sure I can find out. Uh, and, yep, and there's another question. Oh, did, did anyone ever tell Jerry to be quiet? <laughs> no, not really, because he wasn't a loud man. <laughs> Maybe he's talked a few times, but yeah, I, I I think that joke was made a little bit sarcastically. <laughs> um, I love so, that. So, so. I still want to stick with your uncle. So yeah. it, uh, it hits the paper. It, it goes national. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, like, I mean, shepherds, you know, that was, uh, that was later. Um, yeah. But yeah, all over the world, all the papers. And it was just like a, a, a storm. Hit. Did, did he have regrets about doing that article? Well, I mean, just, just for all the commotion it caused, I mean, uh, you know, people, uh, there was something about where they, they wanted him to come out and say that it was fake and they give him all this money and then no one do it. Even they did that to Bob Gimlin too. They said, you know, we'll give you all this money if you say it's fake. And, and he said, no, can't do it because it's not fake. You know, and I love Bob Gimlin, man. He's cool, man. That guy, he has some integrity. And he got ripped off so bad by Patterson. It was unbelievable. Patterson was showing those movies for years and he even had a fake Bob Lee Gimlin come up and yep. give him an A. Come on. Like he was there. He, he was the the uh, Barnum of that too, but Bob Dylan was a real deal. Yeah, and there was an interview with Bob Dylan that was very much went inside with this uh, theory we have about it being um, macroevolution, and that was that you know when Bob was there when they were shooting that, he had a gun. He could have shot it, and he said he goes they asked, he was asked why didn't you shoot it? He goes because. First of all, I would only shoot it if, it if I was my life was in danger, and second of all, it was too human looking. Mm-hmm. There's a big debate about you know the tits and everything. Was it a female, male? Who knows? You know, who knows? Right. But it was too human. It acted too human, and that's why you would not you did not shoot it. 
And that goes right in with the, it falls directly into our, 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 what we're proposing as a theory. So did you hear about that guy in, um, in uh, Canada who can give you a video footage? He can take you up and show you where they are. Um, he has thing on Netflix. Oh, we've talked about him quite a bit. Mr. Standing. Uh, yeah. 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 My, my, uh, my, uh, I'm working with my, uh, my niece's husband, Jeff, and he's talked to him a few times too. And he's, he's fairly convincing. I don't know. What, what is your take on him? Uh, well, we have exposed Todd's, uh, some of Todd's pictures as being hoaxed layered. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. How did you arrive that? Yeah. You might want to check the blog out. You might want to check my blog out on some of the stuff that we uncovered about Todd and oh boy. <laughs> how, how it all started back in 2005. It was an area called Sylvanic. Oh and uh, you, hmm. it was only accessible by this like hole, and you would climb in through this total tunnel, and you would come into this valley called Sylvanic, that only the native America, the native North Americans or native Canadians would know that they're there. Oh, and and the, and the fact the Indians had no clue because Sylvanic is not a, a an Indian derivative; it's actually a Latin derivative. <laughs> so, wow. you know. And, and he had this like second grade drawing of a guy on there that supposedly went missing. And that's how it all started. So, um, but fast forward, you know, then he came out with a, a face that looked like a puppet and had very felt looking. And then well, some of know, the things look pretty good. Then, well, then he had the gorilla looking one, right? Um, well, but, that, it, but that was actually layered. Oh, dear. Yeah, and um, uh, we did an e I did an ELA test, which is an error level analysis test on it, and I, I actually got the raw the actual photo. Oh wow! Um, and because because they had posted it, actually they put it right up on the um, the newspaper website when he first went put it out there in like 2011, and then for some reason it morphed into blinking. Oh wow! Yeah, it was all of a sudden it was a video. So unfortunate yeah. because I mean it's it's diluting what's Truth, you know, there's and uh, just so you know, here here's the audience's response. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> but but you know who would be a real good guy to go to? A guy we had on last week, Tom Steenberg, mm -hmm. and he is he's been around. He actually investigated the Jacko. Uh, the 1884 uh, Bigfoot that was allegedly captured, the little one that was on the railroad track in British Columbia. And uh, phenomenal guy. We're going to have him on back real soon, too. Um, so I want to pop into this um, Ray Wallace thing because that print there looks nothing like Ray Wallace's stompers did. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah that's... Um... I remember I posted something on my page and somebody goes, ah, yeah, it's so fake. You know, you're, you're totally fake. Your, your uncle is fake and Ray Wallace and blah, blah, blah. I go, you, and I sent him the picture of my uncle's print and Ray Wallace's Ray's print. See this? This is all the prints that are fake and real next. They're the ones that are real and the ones next to Ray Wallace's print. Ray Wallace's print like, looks like a surfer logo, you know, like a, yeah. it's so hard. <laughs> It's so probably and the, the organic ones are not they don't have that fat thing going on or not. Right. You know, uh, well, you know, I'll tell you a story about Ray. I I I had to pare down all the information I got. I got Ray all his old letters 
to like John Green, to all these people. You know, I had to pare it down, but I do cover a lot of it. Um, Ray would never, I mean, they never came out and say, oh, Ray's Bigfoot till after he died. One of the reasons why, because he could never stand in front of a bunch of reporters. He was like crazy. There was one time where Ray Wallace was going to meet Tom Slick, and he was all excited because it was them city, city folk with the big money. So Peter Burns and Ray Wallace uh, and Tom Slick met at, at the Willow Creek Inn. Okay, so, you know, Tom and Peter are sitting there waiting for Ray. He comes in. He's all howdy and everything. And he comes in. Yeah, apparently he couldn't read or write. That's what Peter said. Anyway, he comes in and, uh, you know, howdy and everything. They're talking. And, and he starts telling, talking about UFOs and, uh, you know, because he always talked about stuff like that. And he said, well, I, I have a baby Bigfoot. And they're like, uh, where? Ray said that? I got it back in my place. I got a baby Bigfoot. And he goes, how much do you want for him? And he thought about it. He said, $12,000. And Tom looked at him. I said, mm-hmm. Pulls out a checkbook. Writes. Oh, my band fell down. That's great. Writes $12,000 down on a check. And put it on the table. And Ray reached for it. And he pulled it back. Where's the big foot? Bring me mm. Yeah. He will. Uh, uh, I can bring him in tomorrow morning. He goes, okay. That chick will be here for you tomorrow morning. You, you come back with that big one. And so then he goes, okay, I'll do that. And he left. And then I was like, you know, this is not going to work. It was kinda, it's, you know, they couldn't believe it. The next day he came back. All sheepish. Like, well, he got out during the night. And, <laughs> and, uh, and that's, that whole thing is in there. And um, um, But there was a lot of... Uh, uh, even his family, you know, they were like, you know, they have all this big, he would sell fake prints at his store. I, mean, I have pictures of him and all his fake prints lined up at his store, you know, his roadside of the store. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, all that all that merchandise, they didn't want to go to waste when he died, so they made the announcement, oh, Ray was Bigfoot, and um, uh, yeah, and so everyone believed that for like 15 minutes. I mean, I'm talking Shepard Smith. I'm talking all the, you know, Fox News, everyone. Jay Leno. They're like, okay, Bigfoot's gone. Okay, it's done. Yeah, it's gone. It's Ray Wallace. You know, then after the fizzle died down, they started going, okay. And then it really came out of, you know, what his chaisery was. And stuff. I mean, you know, God bless him, whatever, you know, do. I know what it is to do a show and be a showman and all that, but yeah, that ain't true. Yep. Hey, there is a question in the chat room. Actually, it's addressed to me. <laughs> did you indeed get into a fight? Uh, no, we did not. Uh, actually, we were just talking earlier today. Uh, sounds like he was kind of upset about how last night transpired. Why won't MK debate you? That's what D was upset about. So just put that on there. He he won't debate me. Uh, apparently, he wants to release a YouTube video. Uh I, I don't listen to it, nor will I, um, because I have a follow-up video coming to that this week, maybe even tomorrow because of that. But, uh, yeah, MK and the massacre, the massacre continues. The man who alters evidence and then says it's evidence. <laughs> the, ma- the massacre theory is dead. We killed it. It's gone. I, we, we I sure- remember watching that when I watched your show. Yeah, we, we, we uh, sure about fights. Um, yeah. Ray Wallace was very scared yeah. of one man, 
the man who carved his fake print. There was a guy that um, I have his name down here. It's a, uh, and he was scared. He thought he was going to come in and kill him. Was that Rant Mullins? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think so. And he would always be looking around because I mean he was pissed. Um, I mean he was looking out windows every time, and he he was telling everybody this guy's going to come and kill me someday. And uh, and actually, uh, something where he came into town and and Ray was you know like fled and uh, it was crazy crazy stuff going on because he was so pissed that he made all this money off mm. his invention. Yeah. Now this guy said, oh well. He was kind of another kind of a, I won't say shyster, but questionable, uh, <laughs> you know, Very questionable uh, intentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I took these prints way back, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And then, there's, yeah. there's so much nonsense that goes with a lot of this. I'm not saying the guy's shady, but he passes the collection basket if you sneeze. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was the whole the whole Bigfoot. That's what I'm. That's my goal was to re remove all the fluff from it and get down to the real deal. Fra Frank just said he needs 350 pounds. That's about 475 dollars American. If you'd like to buy his unicorn, oh, <laughs> I'll put it in my museum. <laughs> I do have a museum at the. I run the California Institute of Abnormal Arts for 25 years. And we have a museum, and we have a dead fairy that uh, is, uh, the lady was convinced that she had a dead fairy. And I, I can tell you, it was whatever it was, it was alive at one time, you know, yeah. and there's big history. There. I do have a dead clown from 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. two dead Chinese magicians. I can legally have that because of pre-1925. I used to be a mortician, so I know all the rules. But, but, um, uh, but I do have the fake head of Bigfoot in my museum. But I always get my tour on the head of Bigfoot, and I say, well, it's a gap. You know what a gap is? No, it's a circus term for fake. But this is Jerry Crew, and they talk about his history. <laughs> uh, I I have a lint ball from 1986. Does that count for anything? <laughs> it tastes delicious. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so well, that you know uh, that, that that gives me a, a several more questions. What Carl just brought out there, uh, <laughs> uh, but first thing, uh, Carl, I want to ask you. Because I have read conflicting reports about Jerry Crew over the years. Mm -hmm. Now, some of those reports would list him as Jerry Crew part of a construction site, or and then it would say Jerry Crew part of a logging site. Could you uh, could you like uh, let us in on what was the deal going on? What was Jerry actually doing up there? Was he constructing? He, was he, had, a, okay. he had a crawler tractor, and he was okay. removing the stumps out of the way after they cut them down. That's what he did. He had to crawl one of those crawlers, yeah. And uh, he did. He was a, he was a logger, and he was uh, he was um, working with Ray Wallace's construction company, mm -hmm. his, his logging company. So he okay. was independent that came in and doing that. And that's how my my father did it, and um, my other uncle Jim. Uncle yeah. Jim, man, cool, coolest uncle in the world. I mean, like I say, he went on to. Uh, to work at Steinhardt Aquarium, and uh, he 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 did all these crazy these giant snakes and stuff. I mean, he's fearless, man, and he's still around, man. And he's like he's the one that gave me all this information. I'm just uh, and I and I have a lot of several scenes throughout the film with Jim and Peter Burns, Peter Burns, the Indiana Jones Don Quixote. Yeah. This guy has written some books about with, with with maybe a little bit of Arthur added in there too. What Uncle Arthur? What are you talking Ar about? Arthur, remember the movie Arthur? Uh, w more? 
Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Maybe. He's uh this guy, he's got some stories, man. He wrote some books that go for like a hundred bucks, and they're about these incredible histories of these elephants in, in India and like all this hunting he did. He did all this huge game hunting. I mean, this guy, wow, it was such an honor. I've interviewed him three times. And I'm gonna actually send him a copy of the script when I'm done. So he's like 96, man. He lives in the Dallas. What a guy, man. I was so honored, yeah. And from what I understand, he still got his facilities pretty well. Absolutely. Sharp as a yeah. tack, man. It's like, you know, like, I am I getting a little excited? He's like, no, settle down, young man. <laughs> like, okay. Watch yourself, man, because you like, yeah, a, I deeply respect him. Nice. You know, uh, uh, there's a, a whole litany of cast of characters that come out of the 50s and 60s. Oh, yeah. um, and we've covered a lot of them. Um, one quick question I have. Did... Now, Ray Wallace ran the construction company. Did he own the property that was going on? Good question. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't think so. I think maybe he had parts of it because he set up his little stands eventually, you know, selling roadsides. I mean, this guy would tell stories, man. There was like, you come by, it was like a tourist attraction, you know, eventually. Right. And you'd have all these big prints and talk about all these UFOs and all this crazy stuff. You know? yep. so, uh, I mean, he's quite a character. Yep. Yep. Um, was Ivan Marks ever mentioned? Why is that name so familiar? Uh, it's not a good name. <laughs> Ivan Marks <coughs> was the guy who um, who tried to tell Peter Byrne that that he had filmed the Sasquatch. Oh, oh, with those short little films. With those horrible films, yes. I think I've seen them. Yeah, they're really hilarious. Yep, and uh, allegedly MK <laughs> allegedly MK says that's proof that Ivan Marks killed the Minnesota. Ice man that has relation. Ice and Ivan Marks might have been one of the assassins. There have been so many attempts at like all these fake films, and I mean, I love the story about the uh, the Bigfoot suit that Ray Wallace's wife supposedly wore for the Gimlin film. You know, like uh, yeah, there's some costume shop the uh, that supposedly sold it to uh, to Patterson or some ridiculous nonsense. And uh, I mean, there's no way physically that a human can get that gate there's no physically a human can make that those strides that were made by that film i mean yeah um so that's pretty much one of the only authentic ones that i know of you know that's never been people have gone to great lengths to try to disprove it and they could never do it very true um oh my goodness there there's some really funny stuff going on in the chat over there oh we're talking about I know a dog man and a fairy made it. It's a fairy man. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I think there's one leaving in five minutes. <laughs> where, where, where? You know what? The, the problem is, Chris, our, our, our viewers are getting our sick sense of humor. <laughs> I, I was hoping that wasn't catching. <laughs> uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about um, this is really cool. They, they, uh, in case anybody remembers the 1992, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, a secret life. And we're going to just get off topic just for a little bit here. Uh, this is the man who play who wrote and played Jeffrey Dahmer right here. I, and, I wrote it and produced it and played Jeffrey. Yep. Yeah. I got to hear how, how, how the heck would you, you know, I want to do a movie. I, I think I'll do it on this killing cannibal well the funny uh, thing is, i made movies with um, uh 
for a while, I made movies with a guy named Bill Osco. Uh, my first lead role was a movie called Blood Diner, which was a horror comedy about cannibals. So, you know, I had some. And I was a former mortician. I had that background in my head. So but I made a bunch of movies with this guy. And, uh, and uh, we were sitting around one night, and he goes, You know what? You kind of look like Jeffrey Dahmer. And I just went, Ding! And I went right home and I got the police interview. And I wrote my script from the police interviews with Jeffrey. And so it's really, it was very low budget. But I see, I did something that um, I learned from these incredible exploitation directors. I mean, you know, you use anything you can. I The hook I used when we put it in the trades, when we were casting and assembling our crew, we're shooting this in secret. And my fax machine exploded in one month, literally. Smoke coming out of it. There's so many, so many that came through. If you ever want some attention, say you're doing something in secret. So, uh, yeah, that was hilarious. And, uh, we, you know, we did a lot of interviews and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was just like I wrote the script. And um, and I'm literally the only one that can say that Jeffrey Dahmer saw my film in prison before he was murdered. Um, and I found that out through – we did a bunch of shows. Um, we did Milwaukee's Talking, where I was literally interviewed in front of Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment door before they tore the building down. And, um, and, you know, and we were on with all the family members and we, you know, of course the film was going to be made about this heinous serial killer. I mean, we kind of talked him down and they're like, oh, okay. They'd never seen it. And by the time we got to Maury Povich, man, they whipped him into a frenzy and it was like to destroy Carl Crusoe. And, and I'm a debater. I mean, I love to debate, you know, a good debate. I love it. And like, it was like, it was attack Carl Crusoe. And I was like, you know, I was, uh, defending my film, but, uh, it got crazy. <clears throat> Because, you know, there was Janetta, and she was a representation of the family. And she was saying, you Jeffrey Dahmer number two. And I'm like, what? And uh, <laughs> not me, and it was, a, it was amazing. But, um, yeah, it was just a, it was a big, it was a very uh, a strange thing. Now, I grew up in the theater. I did 17 years of repertory theater since I was a kid until I was like 20. And, uh, and then I became a mortician for five years. And then I had an antique store in the Haight-Ashbury. So I have a very strange background. I mean, I dealt in neon clocks and jukeboxes and slot machines. And I kind of traded that all in later for dead things for my museum. So, yeah, a very, very weird life. But, uh, but uh, Haight-Ashbury, yeah. now, now, now we're going. <laughs> what? Haight-Ashbury, now we're talking. Oh, Manson territory. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, the funny thing is, is there's so many serial killer things in my life because uh, – one of my dear friends, his name is Josie Pollock, and she was the hula hoop queen from 1969 in London. And she was friends with Sharon Tate and Roman wow. Polanski. She did, she did a movie with them in Italy, so we, she knew them very well. She was booking clubs in Vegas, and she was heading back in to go to the party the night of the murder at Roman Polanski's house. And she got a headache. And she had to pull over. She couldn't make it that night. She came the next day. I remember hearing that, too. Yeah. It's called Backstage Path to Heaven. She actually uh, married uh, Nigel Olsen, or almost married Nigel Olsen, um, the drummer for Elton John. She toured with Elton John. and uh, She actually married the most famous magician in the world, Channing Pollock. And she was his assistant. You can go on YouTube and type in Channing Pollock. And she has this black wig on it. She does all, he was the father of dub magic. His, his, his oil painting is hang, hanging at the Magic Castle. You say Channing Pollock, and people go, oh, yeah, we know who he is, yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, so that's going on. And, uh, and actually, when I was a mortician, I met my business partner. We had the two student apartments above the mortuary 30 years ago. And we hooked up later and did the club for 25 years down there. So we used to go hiking in Muir Woods. And we go up there. We're hiking all around. You know, and, uh, we, we're going up this path. And I see this dude up there. And he's stomping around like a kook, you know. And I'm from San Francisco. So I was like, okay, whatever. You, know, you see that all the time. <laughs> You know, I remember when they let all the people out of the mental hospitals and uh, when Reagan did that and they, all over the city, you know, people were ah, all crazy. So it's like no big deal. So, you know, we kept hiking and this guy looked at us, pulls out a gun and waves us back. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> ran down to the parking lot and we, there was a, something called a payphone. I don't know if anyone knows what that is anymore. but there's a I think they're rarer than Bigfoot. Unbelievable. And I called the cops. And I record this guy. And while we're standing there, this woman runs by and I go, hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go up there. You know, she's, nah, nah, nah. I go, this guy with a gun up there. She goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes up there and we're standing there waiting on the phone. I hear bang. Oh, and that was the last victim of the trailside killer. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, we were, you know, like. 20 years old, we smoked a joint. It was like, yeah, what are we doing? We get out of here. You know? So we left, but this is even gets weirder because we worked at this mortuary in San Rafael. Our mortuary buried this woman. One of the morticians saw the personalized license plate of the serial killer driving by because he knew she was being buried there. Ooh. And weirder than that, there's a book called The Sleeping Lady, which is about the serial killer. And uh, on the back of it is my business partner, Robert Ferguson, pulling one of the bodies out of the bushes with the other mortician. I mean, like, there's so many, like, crazy. And it turned out the guy lived two blocks from him in, in Twin Peaks and had tried to pull him, tried to sell pot from him one time, tried to sell him some pot. He was like, yeah, I wonder if I had it. And uh, so, I mean, like, it's just, uh, Richard Ramirez killed somebody two, two blocks from my mom's house. So it's just like, yeah, there he is. Yeah. Yep. Mr. Carpenter. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. He's still alive. He's still alive. Um, yeah, and even in Stonestown, where I grew up, right down the street, my best friend, Ingo, Ingo Bodwin's youngest brother, was killed by the Zodiac Killer in Stonestown, which is like a, like a mile, of less than a mile from my place. That's where we used to go hang out. He was, he was one of the stabbed in a Petrini's market when it was one of those times when it was all dark. There's, his name was... a. a Norman Bodwin. There's articles on the internet about Norman Bodwin being the last uh, one of the victims of the of, this, of the uh, Zodiac. Unbelievable. You know, it's like yeah, it's just I call around me all the time. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually writing part two of Jeffrey Dahmer right now. Wow, and, and you know that's really cool because uh, I I from a criminal psychology standpoint, yeah. I do a lot of reading on serial killers. Yeah. And in fact, I'm uh, and I usually use i have audible so a lot of times i'll rebuy my books on audible that i have on that to listen to them on and i'm i was actually about halfway through helter skelter when uh, covid19 came in so i haven't really picked it up since and that's that's why when you mentioned about her not making it i go i remember hearing about that i think there was a blurb in helter skelter about that what, what's the the uh, name of the uh the, the uh main prosecutor uh, Vincent Bugliosi. Yeah, I met Vincent Bugliosi. We did a radio show. Of, um, of, you know, we did these all these kooky films. This character we came up with this. Uh, 
but I wrote this movie called Urban Legends. And it was like 30 urban legends in one movie, all happening to one girl. By the end of the thing, she becomes an urban legend. Two weeks before we were going into production, the, the guy goes, hey, we don't have the money. you got to write something else. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, so we put together this stupid thing. We came up with this character called Rusty Defage, spelled Rusty Defaggy. And it was this, my dear friend, Dino Lee, man. This guy was in Blood Diner. He was in a bunch of uh, other videos. He pretended to be this really super effeminate straight guy named Rusty Defage with a big bouffant hairdo. <laughs> and we went on a radio show in the most conservative radio station in LA, KIEV. And we did a midnight call-in show. And it became so famous that all the writers from Saturday Night Live were calling in. It was like a big deal. Um, but uh, 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 my point is, hello again. Uh, Yep, uh, there, there, we actually have a podcaster in the uh, in in over on uh, the YouTube side of things, and he said he would like to interview you. And my suggestion would be you can find Carl very easily on Facebook. Yeah, scarily enough. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, well, they, this Bugliosi was on before we went on one night. He was closing the showdown. And we were we were the next people up, so I got to talk to him. Man, it was really fascinating. Yeah. It was, there's so many. You never know who you're going to meet in Hollywood. You yeah. never, that's the weirdest part. Yeah, it's very, very. You never know who you're going to meet at the airport either. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember one time coming back from uh, Midway Airport in Chicago, waiting on a flight to connect back to uh, Albany. Yeah. And uh, I look and uh, I, I look at that's Stevie Wonder. Oh, wow. Damn, he's tall. Yeah, that's so cool. I heard, uh, he, I heard he had an operation where you can literally hear now. Or he can do literally see now. I mean, huh. yeah, no, that's what I heard. I don't know if it's true, but God but, brilliant. But, but I had probably the coolest adventure the first time I ever flew. Um, this is actually the first time I, I ever flew. I was 20, um, 1989, and uh, I had a connecting flight to JFK. And if you've ever been to JFK, it's a cool place. So I'm standing there waiting, and we had like a two-hour, three-hour layover. And uh, we, we were flying Pan Am at the time when Pan Am was there. We were flying that from there down to Daytona. And I remember sitting there in the, in the, in the um, yeah, the, the waiting area there with the gate. And uh, I, I look out the window and park next to the Pan Am. Here's this big plane that says Aeroflot, which... Back in the day, it was the old Soviet airlines. Oh, wow. And they were disembarking, and all of a sudden, here comes five of these Russian generals walking out with all the medals. I'm like, oh, it's the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but you know, here's the cool thing, too. So I started watching the aeroplane. I'm standing there. Everybody's like, Steve, what are you doing? I go, look. And there's a guy walking under the airplane in a trench coat and a suit, fedora, Hmm. I go, you know who that is, right? And I'm like, no, that's KGB. He's wow. watching me. He's standing by the plane. He's watching the plane. Wow. Um, really cool. And then about 20 minutes later, I heard this really weird engine, and there was Air France Concorde right up. Wow. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. You know, <laughs> you know, first time I ever, you know, of course, I've been to 46 states now, but that was my first time, and it, it always, it's always embedded into me. Yeah, the planes are... When we did the when we did the Mori Povich, I got on a plane ride back to LA, and I got on, and there was uh, Dom DeLuise and Peter DeLuise, and I sat right oh. next. 
Now, in when I went to Bridgemont High School, which was a private high school on Knob Hill in San Francisco, I got really bored one day. I was in journalism class, right? I, I called up to the Fairmont Hotel. I go, who's playing up there? Oh, Dom DeLuise. I hung up, called back. I go, Dom DeLuise, please. They put me right through. He goes, hello. <laughs> and I go, oh, I'm a student. You know, I'd love to do an interview with you. You know, and he goes, yeah, come on. We come up to the show tonight. So me and my girlfriend, Natasha, we went up there that night, saw the show. And he took us backstage, and it was really cool. And we taped the interview and we put it in the school newspaper. Uh, so years later, many, many years later, I get on a plane with him. and go, ah, I still have that tape. You know? oh, you wow. Know? Yeah, it was really cool. But you, you never know who you're going to run into. I, went, I ran into uh, Willie Chambers from the Chamber Brothers at the House of Pies. You know, like, what? You know? Uh, one time I was uh, shooting a movie downtown with my friend. Uh, he was the co-star for Blood Diner, Rick Baker. What a brilliant actor. And we were in another movie called The Underachievers with uh, all these people. And uh, we were at our lunch break, 12 midnight. And he had just been casted in a David Bowie film, uh, video. So he goes, you know, it's a uh, lunch break. Let's go around the corner. I'm going to introduce you to somebody. I said, okay. We went around the corner to this dive bar. Walk in. There's only two people in there. And he goes, well, this is Adrian Blue from King Crimson. I'm like, oh, hello. And he goes, oh, that's David. And there was David Bowie. And like, Hi. And I said, uh, I didn't fawn or anything. I said, I love your work. Thank you so much for your work. And he was really cool to me. He was really nice. He was like this big. But I mean, like, uh, yeah, it was, you never know who you're going to meet down here. Like, amazing. So anyway, I mean, I met Burgess Meredith one time. I was going to a party with Rick Burks, the director in, uh, in Malibu Colony. We look up, we're lost. And we're like, this guy's standing on his back. I go, you know where this address is? He goes, ah! Uh, I go, it's the penguin. He goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah he was. And then he gave me the great direction that we got right there. It was so cool. Nice. Oh, I, I love Burgess Meredith. He was great, man. Oh, he's so cool. <clears throat> <I> know, <laughs> prolific actor. A lot, a lot of, a lot of prolific stuff he did. You know, Twilight Zone, where he was the librarian that oh, broke his glasses. You know, he yeah. Bill Mooney one time. He shot a documentary about um, Doctor Demento here at the, at my institute. And, um, you know, he did the roly-poly fish heads with Barnes and Barnes, and he was so cool. I mean, that's Will Robinson. Come on. You know, he grew up on, on Lost in Space, you know. He was really fascinated with my dead fairy because he had been hunting fairies on the Isle of Man and all this stuff, you know, whatever. But, yeah, you never know who you're going to run into. It's really cool. Yeah, I think there's a certain age group of people that will know who Burgess Meredith is, and it's the ones that grew up watching Batman after school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that. And there's there's few of us left. Yeah. I mean, I get people, millennials come down to the club and David Bully, who? And I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> never mind. I, I know there is there is quite a gener a generational loss that we have here. Okay, who we got? This is Wade with uh, uh the guy who wrote the Jerry Crew knew what to do song. And oh, oh yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Tom Tom Jared. Yams, yep. Yep, yeah. Wade, really cool guy, man. He's so good. He's been just, oh, I got a big announcement. Ready for a big announcement right at the end? Okay, here we go. <sighs> Wade called me. He's just moving. He moved into a new place. He called me, sent me a picture of a tape he found, a little cassette tape of 1982, Jerry Crew speaking about Bigfoot. Oh, wow. Blew my mind. So he's making a copy for me and he's sending it to me and I'm going to incorporate it in the film. We're going to. Wow. And so it's actually him speaking. 
or getting it converted to it. We're digitizing it. And my brother is uh, into uh, doing archi archival, you know, stuff, museum quality, you know, uh, sweetening of sound for, for archives. So we're going to, yeah, it's, just, it's insane. I cannot wait to hear it. To hear his, his voice and how he spoke. And hey, hey, hold on. You're going to laugh at this one. Okay. Cameron, are you talking about us? Yeah. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> Drop the fish. <laughs> I'm sure you're not reading the X-rated ones. Oh, uh, you know, it was good growing up, you know, back when we was a kid. At least we had TVs, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> even in Kentucky, yes, they had TVs. You say TV or TV, yeah. But I remember, man, I mean, we had like Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, all, all the superheroes after school, man, every day. There you go. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they took off cartoons, you know? Like, yeah. And Cameron, and Cameron, yes, I, I know. We were, we were just, uh, we were just having a little fun with that one. <laughs> Although that, that, that could be a title for MK's latest video. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And Chris, Chris, yeah. is sh Chris is shaking his head, but apparently MK threw a lot of shade, and I'm laughing at it because <laughs> he doesn't know what's coming. <laughs> oh, boy! Uh, anyhow, but we're, you know, like I said I wouldn't talk about that. Coppers, what are you doing to me? <laughs> yeah, we we grew up watching uh, Warner <laughs> Brothers uh, cartoons too, which you can't see now because they're not politically correct. Yeah. 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 And uh, although we didn't think anything about it as kids, Popeye, now people people yeah, they read into it now. I don't I don't know why. It's just a cartoon. Don't read into it. <laughs> yeah. So the whole concept of political correctness was it came up by the Frankfurt University in mm -hmm. nineteen twenty nine. It was it came up as a device to split people up. You know, and that's been been employed um, a lot because it restigmatized everything that was not any problem. They restigmatized it, so all of a sudden they got all these like mine, mine, you know, bomb buried mines. You know, you can't step on. It's crazy. I, I'm yeah. the exact exact opposite of that. I mean, I care for people. I don't want to hurt people, but you know, come on. You know what the turning point I think is? I, I think the the turning point of political correctness is when they started criticizing Rudolph for emphasizing bullying. <laughs> remember Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer? Yeah, there was a whole group out there saying, "Oh, well, that movie makes it look, it promotes bullying." Oh, good lord! You know, years ago, um, and and we'll get back on the topic, but we were just take, we we gotta take a little break and and get outside the bounds and get to know us a little bit better, which is great. Um, but years ago, uh, there, there's a radio station up in the Albany Market, uh, WGY, and they had this afternoon talk show host who he made some comments i forget exactly what it was but Peter got on his case you know about lobsters mm. so what he did was is he had him boiled a lobster live on the radio and they <laughs> melted the butter and he ate it on the radio <laughs> and i remember oh. my boss i remember my boss calling me going hey coles you listening to WGY? Because we used to sit in our offices with the radios on. You listening to WGY? I'm like, yeah, this is great. Did they turn the microphone up so they hear lobster screaming in the hall? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I work with lobster people. I mean, they call me the bottom of Burbank Boulevard because I've done real freak shows for 25 years. And all the freak shows from all over America used to come by my place and shit. We'd get 
you know, from World of Wonder in Florida, from Coney Island, um, you know, yeah. uh, very famous, famous uh, Tim Torture, the Torture King. Uh, we used to do Girly Freak Show, which was Simon Menstra Hyman from the Guar band. <laughs> she was the Guar goddess. And she Guar! Yeah, a million volts out of her face at the end of every show. Talk about a showstopper. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but 999 uh, was it called 999 Eyes. For, they're from Texas. And they, they were real lobster people. Um, and, uh, you know, and you know, my stage is four handicap. We used to do, um, we used to call it retarded night. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, we, we changed it. But uh, it was a school called, it was a band called Kids from Whitney High. And they were from, from a mentally challenged school for mentally challenged children. And the teachers would play the music and they would sing and they'd play <laughs> They did movies and videos, you know, like they get up in the candy bar, candy yeah. bar. And people loved it. And we, so we throw these nights and we're so used to having different people with different problems, you know, performing the stage and the amount of talent was insane. One guy came down on one of those nights with no arms and he played the electric guitar with his feet like Jimi Hendrix. Wow. You know, mind blowing. Anyway, back to the subject. Um, the thing about Jerry Crew is, uh, there was one time he went out with Peter Burns, like I said, and he found the the, uh, the beds and everything, and they stayed there all night. And the smell was so thick it scared the crap out of Jerry. Jerry wanted to go, and Peter was like, "No, we're gonna camp here." So they camped here, and he was feeding the fire. And and uh, uh, the, I mean, literally, the smell was intense. He was just any moment there was gonna be one coming out. They knew they could smell it, and um, uh, Peter fell asleep. And he woke up in the early morning, and Jerry was still awake feeding the fire. And, mm. it, and his whole bat, uh, his whole uh, thing he was sleeping in, you know, uh, whatever, uh, uh, was covered in ash. Peter's mm. his sleeping bag was covered in ash from all night of, of the yeah. And then, like, he's can we go home now? You know, and he went home. <laughs> he built a big enough fire; it'll keep it away. <laughs> really, really knew you know he he knew that they were real. Uh, yeah, he felt their presence, and, and Jim's the same way. You know, um, fascinating stuff. Right. Now, I'm not quite sure when did Jerry pass. Uh, I think it was '82, I believe '82. Um, it could have been '84. Been a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. Been a while, and uh, yeah, uh, he, he went to the he went to the grave believing in this phenomenon, which is. Uh, you know, quite, quite a feat, you know, because very, uh, completely convinced. Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's not a ne never a point where he doubted it. You know, he just couldn't explain it, you know, it's like so many people, but, you know, and, and you know, we, every, every generation has its cast of characters. Boy, no and, I mean, you know, back then you had the Ivan Marxes and the Ray Wallaces and the Rant Mullins. Now we have, I'm not, not going to say it. <laughs> no, it. We have Todd Standing, Rick Dyer, you know, people, you know, that are just. Uh, Todd said he would take anyone up to show the Bigfoot if they, and he didn't even want any fame. He's just doing it to get it out there. So he wants. Well, it, it's so, it's so bad with Todd that uh, somebody went with him and he was filming it. And then he, you hear this little video off to the side where the camera's kind of like at an angle. It shouldn't be. I just looked in the back of the car, and there's a pair of gorilla hands in the back. 
You know, just like the video I put I put out there with the woman, you know, narrating. It's like you can't make some of this stuff up. That not everybody is the brightest cookie in the. In, well, in it's, the it, their, their nonsense will always find them out at some point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, uh, Chris, do you want to go to ten thirty tonight, or you want to go to eleven? Well, whenever you want to go, babe. I think we'll go to. Uh, I think we'll go to ten thirty tonight. Well, we'll call it an early night tonight. Uh, I've been up to the wee hours doing stuff. <laughs> long day. Um, yeah, well, it's going to be a long night too because uh, I got some more stuff I got to do. Um. So okay. So. Uh, uh, oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! I got some important shop questions for Carl. Okay. <laughs> uh, Carl. Now you you briefly briefly mentioned that you were a mortician at some point, or you worked in the mortuary. Printing board. A shop question here. What would be a good temperature to preserve a human type looking body that had hair all over it? Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole concept of, of embalming is to take the blood out and put something in it that's going to preserve it. You know, I mean, oh, okay. for the point of a, of a funeral, of a funeral, you know, I don't believe in open casket. I think it's horrible, you know, uh, mm. but I mean, yeah, I, I literally learned to sculpt from using mortician's wax to sculpt people's faces back from a, a gunshot wound where I'd look at their wow. Yeah. Oh, sculpt. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, my, my dead clown is embalmed with mercury and arsenic, but that's turned the century embalming and he's yeah. sealed. So he's airtight. That's 1912. So he looked really good. The other ones look terrible. So you think like if we can come up with a body of one that's been hit by a truck or something eventually sometime at some future date, the best way to do would be to embalm it as if it was a normal human and then maybe uh, keep it at a below freezing temperature or, or? You get it frozen as fast as possible. Yeah. And then you do, you want to do x-rays right away. Uh -huh. and, uh, um, yeah. You, you definitely want to do an autopsy as soon as possible. You probably yeah. want to do an autopsy before you freeze it, but. To just maintain it, you to freeze it. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, that that's the thing I was considering because the body is going to be taken apart eventually. <laughs> and the best way to preserve it, you know, I would hate to have one and then it rot away. Right, right. Well, I mean, you, I mean, even even people who are embalmed with formaldehyde rot eventually. You know, mm -hmm. it does not forever. I mean, like like I say, my day clown is hermetically sealed, so he looks like he could open his eyes. But the right. other. I have, I have a magician named Fachoy who is 1914. He's, he was embalmed with pure mercury, and he looks terrible. And we have Matt Wong, the midget magician jewel thief, and she's embalmed with ginseng and mercury. Tastes a little bit. And she looks mm -hmm. terrible, too. But, uh, yeah. So, fascinating question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people go, oh, you, you know, people go, oh, were you a mortician? I go, yeah. Oh, did you do the hair and the makeup? No, we did the carotid and the ephemeral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We had other people come in and do all that stuff. Well, I mean, it's got to be a tough job. Got to be. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, you get used to it to a certain degree. Um, it's weird for a while. It's like uh, anything else. I mean, actually, later when I wrote the Jeffrey Dahmer film, I realized he was getting used to it because he was doing it so much. So it kind of came like a rhythm, right. you know, and I understood that. That was one thing uh, that helped me understood, you know, where, where he was. You know, he gets get sloppy towards the end, but... Uh, yeah, I mean it's amazing. I can't even, when I think about it, I can't even believe I did that. 
Like, wow. But see, I grew up seeing heart surgery as a child. And that freaked me out. I was like, ah, you know, at least, you know, when they weren't going to be in pain. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah. hey, we, we do have a question. Uh, and it's a good one to end on for tonight. It's what's it going to take to move the ball down the field with knowing more about this phenomenon? Finding one. Finding okay. one. Getting one. Capturing one. That's the only, that's the only answer. Do, do you think that the only way we're going to prove it to science is having a specimen, whether it be alive or dead? Pretty much. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with that because... Yeah. You know, we've, we've seen, you know, we, we've had people take bats at DNA tests. And um, one in particular who did it really badly. Another one found a lot of, you know, apparently misidentified evidence and in some cases contamination. Yeah. So, yeah. There's I, a guy that found that fake dead Bigfoot, remember? Yeah. I, I hate to say that. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my whole thing would be I would hope we would stumble upon one in the forest rather than yeah. actually take one down or I mean, take one in happen eventually i believe it i, I mean uh, it's it's been an enigma so long and uh i mean who knows you know so the thing is what i love is that a hundred years ago the scientists all got together and said we have discovered everything you could possibly discover there's nothing left for us to discover and then two months later, quantum physics was discovered. Yep. You know, there's no end to it. So to me, I mean, I, I believe in God. I mean, I believe in like the ultimate creator. His mind is so intense. We couldn't even imagine the least of his thoughts because he's infinite. We're finite. We're like, what? And he's like, way beyond. So he, there are levels of this world. We have no idea. They're discovering new species every year. I mean, all coming out of the ocean. There's stuff that we, there's no way. We could ever find out everything. So, but I mean, I hope, I hope that, that that someday we find a real living Bigfoot. That would just be mind blowing. I look forward to that. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Well said. Yep. Uh, well, folks, uh, one thing I am probably going to do tonight, I'm going to do it after show tonight with a video blog because there's a lot of things coming to light <laughs> uh, on a whole nother topic. So it needs to be addressed. And uh, we'll settle the, the crowds down. <laughs> so at some point, okay, probably. I love it. <laughs> probably some point, probably by 1130 um, Eastern uh, PM, I, I will be probably doing a video blog. I was going to save it for tomorrow, but um, I need to narrate. I need to speak my piece. <laughs> so we need to do that, too. So that's why we're going to kind of call it short tonight. Um, but. We've had some, I mean, wow, I, I think we've had about three hours of discussion in, in this hour and a half. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. And, we had a good uh, show before the show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hey, you can, man. I love Ken. Ken and Jax, they came by my club and gave him a tour, and uh, they were so cool, man. I love Ken. He's brilliant. Amazing guy. So, uh, Carl, what what a pleasure. Please keep in touch, man. This has been fun. Um. You know, uh, like I said, uh, Chris is available to be cast as Bob Hieronymus. Um, <laughs> uh, Carl, it was great having you, man. Thanks, such an honor. And uh, please let us know when, when, when that movie comes out. I, I know, yeah, you, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know what? You know what? Um, do you have a projected 
date or a, a goal like date for when no, you're I don't. I'm just uh, what I'm doing right now is I'm waiting for the tape to come in and I'm going to incorporate that into it. And then I have some people who want to, some pretty fairly big people want to check it out right away. So awesome. You know, blah, blah, blah until the check is good. You know, I don't celebrate, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Boy, we've learned that lesson. I know, I know Hollywood. I've been on enough TV to know you, you yeah. got to wait for the ink to dry on that check before you start. <laughs> um all right well big for blessings on both of you now nah, thank you and you I know what uh before that show comes out like a month prior you know that movie comes out please come back and talk you know a little give us a little we want to pump it update update my pleasure brother. all right guys hey folks we've had a great show tonight um i want to thank my 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 guest carl crew for coming on tonight uh chris bennett as always it's a pleasure my brother and uh, I want to wish everybody a happy, safe, and uh, great week. Keep away from the COVID, folks. It's almost over. Yeah, amen. Um, and uh, Cameron, yes, there is. Um, uh, if you want to contact me, I can be found on Facebook. If you're not on Facebook, uh, admin at squatchdetective.com is my email address. Admin at squatchdetective.com. Uh uh, yeah, there'll be another stream coming at 22.30 uh, Central Time, which is 23.30 my time. I'll be coming on. So, everybody, again, have a great week. And, of course, we're, we're never complete without saying keep on squatching. Catch, mm -hmm. catch you all next Sunday, guys. You've been watching Squatch DTV. Join us each week, Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, for the latest on the Bigfoot mystery. As always, we thank you for being our loyal viewers and encourage all to subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash stevecalls. As always, have a great week. Stay safe. God bless. And keep on squatching.